How can I know God is real? What does the Bible say about politics? Why does a good God allow suffering? If you have questions about faith, life or culture, don't be afraid to ask. This This is Ask with David Dean. G'day everyone, Dave Dean here. Our question for the week is, why are there so many different Bible translations? Well, you know, the Bible is the best-selling book of all time. It's estimated that there are up to 100 million copies sold or given away every year around the globe. And a significant part of that statistic is just the enormous amount of time and energy that has gone into and continues to go into Bible translation. You see, the Bible that we hold in our hands today, it isn't just a book. It's essentially a library of some 66 different books written by over 40 authors from three continents across some 1,600 years with the one single unifying theme of God's redemptive plan for all of humanity. It was originally written in three languages, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Wycliffe.net estimates that of the 7 billion some people in this world today, speaking just over 7,000 languages, the Bible has been translated enough to reach up to around 5.7 billion people in this world. So a lot of work has been done in Bible translation, but there is still a lot of work to be done. But with all of that said, though, why even in the English do we have so many different translations? I mean, take the KJV or the King James Version or the RSV, the Revised Standard Version, the NIV, the New International Version, the NLT, the New Living Translation, the ESV, the English Standard Version, the NASB, the New American Standard, we could keep on going on and on and on. What's the deal with all of these different translations? To answer that, we need to consider what's just involved in translation work. You see, the idea of translation, it's, it's very broad, but if we narrow it down to more of a focus on biblical translation, what we're talking about here is essentially an activity by which we are communicating the meaning of the original text of Scripture in its original language and reproducing it into a different language in such a way that the reader of that different language can accurately and reliably understand the original message in its original language. In other words, the goal of Bible translation is communication, accurate communication of the historically rooted written revelation of Scripture. Translation, then, it's not simply paraphrasing or summarizing the Bible's message. It is an actual attempt to convey all of the meaning as precisely as possible. But how do you do that? Because anyone familiar with different languages knows that you very rarely get a word-for-word correspondence between different languages. Take, for example, Romans 6, 1 to 2. The NIV reads, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. The NLT reads, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. The NASB reads, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. The KJV reads, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Now that last sentence there, in the Greek, it's got like an exclamation mark. The direct translation is, never may it be, but if that's all we were to write in English, we would miss kind of the punch of that phrase because in the Greek, this phrase is the strongest way of saying no. It's like shouting no, but we just don't have a way to render that into the English. But this is where it's really interesting because do you see what the KJV did? It said, God forbid. 
Now, the Greek does not have the word for God there, theos, but the force of that phrase, God forbid, it, it conveys this strong negative statement that the Greek was originally intending. So you see, that is an example of changing a word to convey a meaning. Now, all of that to say, uh, translation invariably involves interpretation on part of the translator. And amongst scholars, there are basically two different approaches on something of a spectrum. On the one end, you have the more formal equivalence method, which is basically trying to represent word for word, form for form, grammar for grammar to the original language. And on the other end, you have more of a functional equivalence method, which focuses more on the meaning or intention of the original language that you're translating. But obviously that involves more interpretation on part of the translator. Now, there is much more to say about all of this, but that's at least one reason why there are so many different Bible translations today. It's just the nature of translation itself, which lends to so many different versions, each seeking to communicate the original message as best it can. My advice is that you have different English versions available for yourself at home and that you go between them, sometimes more of a formal uh, equivalence translation like an NASB or an ESV would be helpful in study in particular. But there are other times when using an NIV or an NLT may be um, more appropriate. Just mix it up and enjoy the richness of the diverse English translations that we have, which altogether present the same message and good news of Jesus Christ. Do you have a question about Christian beliefs, theology, doctrine, philosophy, or culture? Don't be afraid to ask. Go to drcdean.com forward slash ask. That's Dean with an E.